It's a delight to be with you again. Um, as uh, Dwight didn't mention, I first met the singers uh, not here in Delaware, but in Farmington, Michigan, when we were out at Missionary Training Institute. Uh, and uh, they were going to West Africa, and I was going to East Africa, and we found out we're from Delaware. How cool is that? Um, anyway, it's, it's great to be back, and as Dwight said, a lot of familiar faces. Um, we love you guys. Uh, this church was the first church to take us in uh, when we had no place to go. Shout out to Sam Osborne, who worked with my sister um, and put us in. Yeah, that's right. You can clap for him. Um, and put us in your, your Wilson house, Wilson Road house there. Um, and uh, I was thinking as we were driving up here, Grant was uh, three, Aiden was two, and our youngest son, who brought us back from Africa, was uh, nine months. Uh, so, uh, by the way, they're back there. You'll forgive us. We're Presbyterian, so we sit in the back. Um, but you can find them. They're back there. Um, and we have a great debt of gratitude uh, to this congregation for giving us a place to stay. And um, at that time, had no idea what we were going to do. Uh, and the Lord, in his uh, grace, called us to international student ministry. Um, and uh, as I was talking with Pastor Chris, he's preparing uh, to do a series on the prayers of the Apostle Paul. So uh, today, we're not going to look at the prayers of the Apostle Paul. We're going to look at a snapshot of the Apostle Paul's uh, missionary journey, his second missionary journey, which uh, Dwight just uh, read for us. So um, let's pray again real quick. Lord, uh, thank you for the opportunity that we have to read your word in our own heart language there are many people around the world that don't have that privilege, Lord, and uh, I know I take it for granted. Uh, and I pray now that uh, you would use uh, your very weak and imperfect servant uh, to preach your word by the power of your spirit, Lord. Uh, speak to each one of our hearts. We need to hear from you. And so uh, I pray that you will do what I can't do. Uh, speak to the needs and the places there each one of us are living and help us to hear the word that you have for us this morning. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So I want to start off uh, with a confession. And that confession is, I love chocolate. Uh, especially Trader Joe's chocolate bars. Uh, but before they opened that new store in the Christiana Mall, the closest Trader Joe's from my house was a 25-mile, 40-minute drive. So back in those days, I had to purposely plan my pursuit of their wonderfully delicious chocolate. Sometimes I, I plan my pursuit uh, around trips to the Philadelphia airport. 
Other times, uh, I plan to buy those chocolatey delights uh, when I shopped on those at the stores along the Concord Pike. And sometimes, if my chocolate supply was running dangerously low, I even made special trips just to Trader Joe's, usually to buy about 20 pounds of their chocolate bars or more at one time. And yes, the cashiers were often quite amazed. But I did confess, I love chocolate. In a similar but much more profound way, the Lord God loves people, especially his people. And like my travels to Trader Joe's, the Lord purposely pursues his people to supernaturally change their hearts. So from this true story about Lydia, Europe's first convert to Christ, I'd like to explore three truths concerning how the Lord miraculously transforms us from the inside out. First, the Lord works providentially to change people's hearts. Second, the Lord works powerfully to change people's hearts. And thirdly, because I love alliteration, the Lord works purposefully to change his people's hearts. First then, the Lord works providentially to change his people's hearts. In verse 11 and 12, Dwight read for us, so sailing from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. So the writer of Acts, Dr. Luke, makes it quite clear that Paul's meeting Lydia in Philippi was not an accident or a coincidence. Initially, the Lord brought Lydia from Thyatira to Philippi for business purposes. For verse 14 says Lydia was a woman from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods. Now, Thyatira was located in what is now modern-day west-central Turkey, about 350 miles southeast of Philippi. In the days prior to modern transportation, that would have been over a 20-day journey. So why would an Asian woman move such a far distance from her home. Lydia trekked those hundreds 
of miles because she wanted to make money in the purple fashion industry. You see, Thyatira was a center for making purple dye. In those days, purple clothing was extremely expensive. Since it took about 8,000, that's right, 8,000 of a special kind of little snail found in the East Mediterranean Sea just to produce one gram of purple dye, 8,000. In fact, in ancient Rome, purple was the color of royalty, and a purple garment was a status symbol. So by moving to Philippi, a wealthy Roman colony located on a busy trade route, Lydia could grow her business, catering to the rich and famous. Yet unbeknownst to her, God had a much higher purpose for Lydia's relocation. And this became clear when the Lord brought Paul to Philippi by miraculously changing his travel plans. In verses 6 to 10, we read, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Messiah, they attempted to go into Bithynia, But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So by passing Messiah, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So Paul's original plan was to evangelize Western Asia. But in ways not explained to us, sorry, I checked the commentaries to no avail, the Holy Spirit in some way changed Paul's travel plans twice. Then, Through a vision, God directed Paul and his little band of missionaries to evangelize Macedonia in Eastern Europe instead. This revised itinerary required a 150-mile, two-day, northeast sail on the Aegean Sea from Troas up to Neapolis, plus an additional 10-mile, half-day walk inland to Philippi. Yet the question remains, why did Paul go specifically to Philippi, of all the places in Macedonia? Well, for the same reason the Roman colony and influential Macedonian city located on a busy trade route was a great place for launching Lydia's purple business, Philippi was also an excellent location to begin spreading the good news of Jesus throughout Europe. Yet surprisingly, 
the Lord used Paul's vision of a European man to first pursue an Asian woman. Yes, the first convert to Christianity in Europe was actually an Asian businesswoman. So having arrived in Philippi, the Lord led Paul to meet Lydia on the Jewish Sabbath. In verse 13, we read, And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Now, if you're familiar with Paul, you know whenever he took the gospel into a new place, he always began by meeting the Jewish community at a local synagogue. But evidently, after inquiring around Philippi, the missionaries discovered that there weren't even enough Jews in the city to have a synagogue. So, on the Jewish Sabbath, they made their way to a Jewish prayer meeting they had heard about alongside a river outside of the city. And by the way, my wife Wendy and I once visited this site after a missionary conference in Greece. A small chapel still marks the spot where tradition says Paul met Lydia. A number of years ago, I was helping a new student at the University of Delaware from China find a place to live. I thought we had found the perfect apartment close to his classes and to our international student ministry events. But the night before this Chinese student was to move in, the student with whom he was to share the apartment called to inform us that another student would be moving in and taking his room instead. Now, this development confused me because I couldn't understand why the Lord prevented my Chinese friend from getting such a perfectly placed apartment. And also, this change of plans meant that I had to find temporary housing for my Chinese friend in a local hostel. But interestingly, there he met a new student from China, and the two of them agreed to find apartment together, which they eventually did. And it turned out, since both of these Chinese students had classes on Thursday nights, which was the night we have our Bible study, they could not participate in our weekly international Bible study. But just before the semester began, they met some Christian students a few doors down from their apartment. And these Christian students invited the new Chinese students to a Bible study that they held in their apartment on a different night. And guess what? Through that Bible study, both of my Chinese friends eventually became Christians. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God is providentially pursuing the hearts of his people. Like me, 
we are often unaware of his passionate pursuit to change our hearts with an ever-deepening faith, love, and service to Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, I pray the Lord is ordering your life circumstances to supernaturally change your heart. You might even want to consider his providence in you hearing this sermon right now. But if you do know Jesus, please understand that just as God pursued Lydia and pursued you to bring both of you into his kingdom, he continues to pursue you through what happens in your life each and every day to keep supernaturally changing your heart. That unexpected blessing, it came from his hand to increase your gratitude to him. Behind that disappointment, his providence is at work to strengthen your trust in him. Even that situation which exposed your sin, it was orchestrated by your pursuing Savior to deepen your dependence upon him and cause you to revel in his amazing grace. For as one astute Bible scholar so wonderfully put it, God loves to forgive more than we love to sin. This brings us to our second truth from this passage, and that is that the Lord works powerfully to change his people's hearts. In verse 14, we read, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. Here we learn that the Lord brought Lydia out of polytheism into monotheism. For as a girl in Thyatira, Lydia was raised in a culture that worshiped many gods and goddesses. There was Aphrodite, the goddess of beauty and love. Plutus, the god of wealth and prosperity. Zeus, the god of weather and justice, as well as the god over all gods, plus many others. Yet, by the Lord's grace, Lydia realized the foolishness of this false pantheon and became a worshiper of the one true and living God proclaimed in the Jewish scriptures. But while Lydia knew the God of the universe gave us 10 commandments to obey, she did not know how she broke those commandments daily and so desperately needed a savior. So the Lord opened Lydia's heart to believe the good news of Jesus. As verse 14 states, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul said. And what did Paul say? Well, of course, the apostle told Lydia the gospel of Jesus Christ, how God so loved the world that he became a man to rescue people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. 
by living a perfect life and offering a perfect sacrifice to forgive the rebellion of everyone who believes in Jesus as our risen and reigning Savior and King. But why did the Lord open Lydia's heart to believe Paul's message? Well, because like all of us, she was born with a closed heart. Lydia did not go to Philippi because she loved God and wanted to serve him. Still, it seems that she seemed to make enough money to buy a nice house with plenty of denarii left over. Yet Lydia's closed heart could not be satisfied by mere temporal earthly riches and living the good life, whatever that is. So, like the Lord does for all his children, he wondrously chose to love this self-centered soul by doing what only he can do, opening her closed heart to long for and believe in Jesus as her eternal heavenly treasure so that she could experience a new and abundant life with him. Several years ago, during one of our free dinner and discussion nights on UD's campus, an Italian visiting scholar sat at my table. And as we read and discussed one of Jesus' miracles recorded in the Gospels, I was surprised by a comment that indicated he believed the miracle actually happened and the Gospel account was true. That's unusual for me when I'm speaking to students that are coming from Europe. So before he returned to Italy, I invited this professor to lunch because I was curious. I wanted to learn more about his spiritual journey. He explained to me that his father was an atheist and his mother a nominal Roman Catholic. So he grew up with a heart that was closed to Christ. But the Lord gloriously opened his heart to believe and follow Jesus when his high school religion teacher invited him to a Bible study. Though previously this Italian brother lived only for himself by studying God's word, he came to believe that the man from Galilee was actually God in human flesh who came to rescue everyone who flees to and follows him. The Lord opened my Italian friend's heart and powerfully changed him to live for Jesus. So, has your heart been moved by the greatest news in all human history? If you don't believe in and love Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, then I beg you to cry out to the Lord and plead to him to open your heart just as he opened Lydia's heart. And if you do love Jesus, then remember, it is because the God of all grace opened your heart by the supernatural power of his spirit. You and I 
have experienced an amazing, life-changing miracle that many people never experience. So let's not take it for granted. Sadly, I know that all too often I do. Rather, may the Lord help us to daily remember his undeserved mercy that continually flows to us through the compelling cross of Christ until this most glorious of all realities fills our hearts with deep joy and thanksgiving. For only then, like Paul, will we be empowered to go out and share the great news about Jesus with a lost and dying world. And this brings us to our third and last truth that I want to emphasize from God's word this morning. And that is, if you're remembering your alliterations, the Lord purposefully changes his people's hearts. Verse 15 we read, After she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Notice the Lord used Lydia to bring her household to faith in Jesus. For Luke tells us that Lydia was baptized and her household as well. Although we don't know who the members of Lydia's household were, Their baptism indicates at least some of them believed in Jesus and publicly professed their commitment to follow him in their lives. Now, most likely, this was because of Lydia. For her household surely heard about Jesus from Lydia's lips, as well as saw how Jesus' powerful love changed Lydia's heart and life. And then we see... The Lord grew Lydia's desire to know Jesus more deeply. For after committing herself to live for Jesus, the Bible says Lydia urged, urged Paul and his missionary team by saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Why would Lydia invite a Jewish stranger and his foreign friends to stay in her house? Well, let me suggest two reasons. First, her heart was filled with love for her new brothers and sisters in Christ, and she wanted to serve them. But second, her heart also burned to know Jesus better. And who was better qualified to help Lydia grow in learning more about her newly found Savior than the Apostle Paul, the man who went on to write about Christ in two-thirds of the New Testament. Finally, we learn the Lord used Lydia to build his church in Philippi and probably Thyatira too. For later in Acts Chapter 16, verse 40, after Paul and Silas had been released by the Philippian jailer, we read that they visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them. 
Now, this indicates that Lydia's house had become the original meeting place of the Philippian church, and that Lydia sought to serve as well as strengthen her fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But then in Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, the church in Thyatira is included as one of the seven churches of Asia that the Lord directed the Apostle John to write his words. And we know from Acts 16, verse 14, that Thyatira was Lydia's hometown. So it's quite likely that Lydia was also eager for Paul and his missionary team to take the good news about Jesus to her family and friends back in Thyatira. Surely, she wanted them to experience the same love, grace, peace, hope, and joy in Christ that she was experiencing. Think about it, my friends. Can't you just see the apostle on his second missionary journey, along with Silas and Timothy, confused over why the Holy Spirit prevented them from taking the gospel of Jesus to Asia? But then, marveling in the realization that God first wanted to lead them to Lydia, a successful Asian businesswoman so that she could help them be most effective in evangelizing the very province of Asia where they originally wanted to preach. <laughs> Isn't that just like our God? <laughs> Always confusing us and then surprising us with his vastly superior wisdom? So we see that the Lord changed Lydia's heart for a glorious purpose, that she might know Jesus and make him known to others. Some time ago, a Muslim graduate student at UD surprised me at one of our free English conversation classes. She arrived late, and I apologized because I had no more conversation partners or papers for her. So she'd have to talk with me. She replied that she already knew what she wanted to talk about. Okay. And then she asked, do you remember last week at the dinner and discussion night when you said, before I became a Christian? I want you to tell me what you meant and how you became a Christian. See, this is a foreign concept to all the other religions of the world. You are what you were born into, right? No. Christianity is an inside job. So I was happy to tell this dear Muslim young woman how Jesus changed my heart. Though you don't know, I was a frat boy at the University of Delaware. I didn't know the Lord. But then she asked, if Jesus is God, why did he send Muhammad as his prophet? I began my answer by saying, I didn't want to 
disrespect her religion, but she interrupted me by correctly stating, it's all right, because I don't think you believe Muhammad is God's prophet. And then she assured me it was okay because she knew the teachings of Jesus and Muhammad and knew that both of them couldn't be true. She only wanted to know the truth about God. My friends, sadly, many people don't know or even care about God's truth. Yet knowing God through Jesus Christ is literally a matter of eternal life and eternal death. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the Lord changes people's hearts for a purpose. So, do you know the purpose of your life? I already told you, I'm a Presbyterian, so I follow this thing called the Westminster Confession of Faith. And it answers that question that our main purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Now, this can only be done through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, who died for every one of our self-centered, disobedient thoughts, words, and deeds, rose from the dead to give us new life in him, and promises, yes, this is hard to believe if that hasn't happened to you, promises to live inside each person who trusts and loves him. So how do we glorify and enjoy God in this life? Well, by believing in, rejoicing over, communing so deeply with God who amazingly revealed himself in Jesus that we can't help but share the message of God's rescuing love with those in our households, local communities, and the world. That's why we're here. My friends, we have a purpose in life that is much, much, much bigger than our little selves. Each of us has a unique set of relationships with people that has been sovereignly orchestrated by God. People in desperate need of a Savior, even if they don't know it, just like me and you. How can we share the good news of Jesus with them? How can we not share the good news of Jesus with them? The amazing true story of how the Lord supernaturally changed Lydia's heart in Philippi almost 2,000 years ago was preserved in God's word to encourage his church down through the ages and around the world, it still encourages us today. It is the story of how the Lord Jesus builds his church by sovereignly orchestrating the lives of believers and unbelievers to spread the good news about Christ by the power of his spirit. The Lord brought together a Jewish missionary and an Asian businesswoman in a European city, hundreds of miles away from both of their birthplaces, 
so that Lydia could hear the gospel, encounter Jesus, be radically changed, and share the Savior's reality with her household as well as with the people of Philippi and even far away in Thyatira. Almost 24 years ago, a man left Africa and crossed the Atlantic Ocean to pursue a woman in the United States. Why? Because he loved her and he wanted an intimate love relationship with her. I don't have time for the details, but it took that man a lot of purposeful planning to reach that woman at just the right time. Many steps were taken and many obstacles were overcome, believe me, before he achieved his purpose. How do I know? Because that man was me. And that woman was my dear wife, Wendy. Please, listen to this carefully. The living God of the universe is pursuing you because he loves you and wants an intimate love relationship with you. Once this incredible reality sinks into your heart, it'll change you for sure and move you to tell others this glorious news about how our awesome God passionately pursues lost men, women, boys, and girls because he longs for an intimate relationship with them too. Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you that in your amazing love, you sent Jesus to rescue us from ourselves, the world, and the evil one. Lord, if there are some here this morning or looking in on the internet who do not know Jesus, and by that I mean they have never experienced a new birth into a personal, life-altering relationship with you, then I pray that by your great mercy, you will open their hearts to pay serious attention to the good news about our Savior. And for those of us whose hearts you have already opened to believe and love Jesus, I pray that you will fill us with fresh gratitude, joy, and passion to share the reality of our wonder-filled Lord with a lost and dying world that so badly needs him. In Christ's mighty and merciful name, I pray. Amen.